And Asuka sent out of the ring. Sasha Banks, impressive. Uh-oh. Banks going to take a chance. Oh, oh, my God! Sasha may be out. Just watch this. This is hard to watch, folks. That is incredibly hard to watch. The impact of Banks onto the end. Oh, knocked the instinct out of Banks. Oh, my God! Knee right to the face! That'll break a nose! Asuka now again with the shots! Talk about physical contact! Sasha Banks is defenseless right now. Sliding knee. Someone needs to stop the match. Banks is going to get hurt badly. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, then load a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello everyone, it is John Pollock, and welcome to Rewind a Raw. I am here with Wei Ting, and we have more hours of pro wrestling to go through. Corey Graves cited 38 hours of wrestling that he called over the last three days, which is about the amount I feel I've watched, and I think Wei has watched a similar amount. Wei, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Did did Corey Graves call uh, the New Japan uh, New Beginning shows? And I didn't No, he, he got very... Uh, he got very exaggerated uh, by citing 38 hours when oh. I did it in my head. And I was like, he was there at TakeOver on Saturday, but didn't call anything. And then, I mean, he was, I guess, calling all of the Rumble. So that probably felt like 38 hours by the end of it. Mm. It was yeah. it was still a lot of time for a man to be talking. Yeah, for sure. He is uh, quite the overworked individual. But, mm -hmm. hey, we all, uh, we all deal with uh, wrestling in high amounts. How was your weekend? Oh, it was nice. It was, uh, yeah, it was good. I was kind of, uh, out of town on, uh, Saturday, so I missed a lot of, uh, what was going on, and so I kind of spent, uh, a good part of the day trying to catch up. And how much of TakeOver have you seen at this point? I watched all of it. Okay, we haven't heard your thoughts about, uh, TakeOver, so why don't you let us know what you liked about the show, or did not like, for that matter? Uh, I thought it was another excellent show. I mean, it's, it's really incredible how... How much of a streak that that franchise is is uh, is on? Uh, there's yet to be a bad show, and it just often feels like they keep topping themselves. And uh, I I really uh, I I actually watched um, uh, Baszler versus Ember Moon first, and I actually caught that one live because I had some downtime. And uh, I'm just so impressed by Shayna Baszler. Because, like, you and I saw her live at that Cleveland show for AIW. Yes. And she was actually, um, she had a match against Ruby, Ruby Riot that day. And this was probably, like, just this was, like, the weekend of the CM Punk fight. So yep. it wasn't that long ago. But, like... 18 months. 18 months. But, like, I see her now on NXT, and it feels like she's just a different, like, wrestler in terms of character, in terms of, like, her presence. So I'm I'm really impressed by her, and I thought the match was great. Um, and obviously, uh, that the the uh, Alistair Black um, Adam Cole match was fantastic. It it was interesting because like we saw it at the Rumble, you know, like how how um, so many um, how they like any anything that came after the uh, Men's Rumble 
uh, aside from the women's rumble, but but uh, the two matches in between the two rumbles had a really tough time grabbing that crowd, and I kind of felt like watching NXT, wondering how how the main event would go because uh, I thought like Black versus Cole was like that level of kind of like emotion and like um, energy that um, it you know like for all I think WWE um, feels like they need buffer matches in order to kind of like calm crowds down maybe there's definitely something to it um but like on that nxt show that was not a buffer match and going from that cole black match to um the main event the crowd like was not did not lose energy at all and maybe that has to do with the fact that it's a, a slightly shorter show and maybe also the the fact that you know the stakes were rising with with each match so I don't know. It's a different philosophy, but it, it, I guess that NXT show kind of showed that you I don't kind of argued against the concept of buffer matches, perhaps. But uh, of course, the main event, you know, like what what more can you say about that? I think for a lot of people, like they consider like there's talk of it being the best WWE match of all time. I don't know about that, but it, it was certainly um, very strong. I think it's my leading contender for match of the year. Wow, I think it, I think it's I think it's right at the top. I feel. I mean, dude, it's only that. it's only January, but like it feels like we already have like a, a huge handful to choose from. I mean, this weekend alone, you had you had Gargano and Almas that I thought was match of the weekend. You had Tanahashi and Suzuki, and a match with the Young Bucks against Rapongi 3K. Mm-hmm. Like those three matches, I think required viewing if you have not seen any of those three matches. I cannot recommend those three highly enough from this past weekend. And then you uh, couple that with what we saw at Wrestle Kingdom. There were several matches there uh, that you could argue in most years could be uh, shoo-ins for match of the year. And here we are January. And I mean, I I would maybe at the end of the year have to go back and watch some of these. But uh, my reaction is that I think Almas and Gargano is my front runner at this point for match of the year. I love that match so much. I thought it was tremendous. Yeah, it really was um, excellent. So um, I think we're, I mean, 2017 was kind of like a year that I think a lot of people will look back at as sort of like, um, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe just uh, an anomaly uh, in in, in wrestling quality, but it looks like 2018 might kind of live up to that standard. Maybe this is just the way things are going to be from now on. Oh, that's I, I didn't look at 2017 as an anomaly. I just the, the, like this is just the the state of the game now where mm. you're just you're going to be getting unbelievable match quality because that's where that's where the bar is now. I, I didn't see it regressing this year. This wasn't just a fluke that all of these incredible matches were happening every single month. So I think that's just going to continue this year. And January is a perfect indication of that. I mean, it's it's incredible when you look back at just the matches uh, we've seen this year, uh, coupled with some incredible angles as well, primarily out of New Japan. Uh, but for that, you can go to our Post Wrestling Cafe for a review of all of the New Beginning shows from this past weekend as they did uh, two nights in Sapporo. So we won't uh, spend time running through here. Um, did you see any New Beginning? As I just said, we yeah. weren't going to talk about it. Uh, I watched the Bucks versus 3K match and I started watching the uh, Suzuki Tanahashi match. And uh, yeah, so I can't really speak enough uh, like uh, about the shows, but uh, the 3K Bucks match was just awesome. A great continuation of the Wrestle Kingdom match. And, um, uh, man, just like 
it's really nice to see like the evolution of the young bucks you know uh and they kind of made full mention of it in the match itself about how they're starting to use a lot more psychology in their matches um yeah it's you know it it was a lot of fun to watch Uh, on monday uh how much coverage did you see of the ronda rousey signing did you find it pretty uh substantial what was out there um because I follow a lot of like MMA uh, and pro wrestling uh, Twitter, uh, yeah, you kind of it was sort of the biggest news in combat sports for the day. Certainly, did you? Now she is legitimately doing a movie in Colombia, the Mile Twenty Two movie, and uh, ESPN reporter Ramona Shelburne actually uh, tweeted about this because she's uh, long been uh, a reporter that has covered Ronda Rousey and had access to Rousey. So she was uh, she was there at the Rumble on Sunday and explained that Rousey did fly to Colombia, but then got a chartered flight back to the U.S. She had to go through customs in Miami and then just tried to stay hidden. They wanted this to be the ultimate secret uh, going into Sunday night and the surprise at the end. And I would imagine that she's now back to Colombia and she had originally said that this would be she'd be there till mid-February, which is probably going to be the duration of this film. So I would imagine that was why she wasn't on Raw Monday night. But I think you kind of weren't able to truly capitalize on the momentum of this publicity because by the end of the first segment, I think everyone realized that Rousey isn't on the show tonight. And I'm curious how uh, what kind of dropout there was going to be because there was enormous curiosity, I think, that you'll see at the beginning of the show. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I suppose their hands were kind of tied with that, you know, unless if they, she's tied to a movie schedule. I mean, it was probably a miracle. They got her there Sunday night. So I would imagine we won't see Rousey on TV until closer to WrestleMania time. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you uh, know about the rumored matchup she might have at WrestleMania? Only what's been stated, the idea of uh, uh, Dave Meltzer had the report about the tag match as kind of what they're working towards. Uh, do you like that idea? The tag I mean, match you, between? Uh, with Ronda Rousey and a partner of her choosing, which I guess their ultimate uh, score would be getting The Rock to do the match against Triple H and Stephanie. Do you like that direction? As far as sort of a mainstream um, uh, act, uh, mainstream feature, I I don't hate it. Uh, it's a continuation of, of the angle they set up two years ago at WrestleMania 32. Um, I I do would I would ultimately prefer a singles match with her. But I mean, if she's a full timer, I guess you do have time to get to that. Uh, for first match at WrestleMania, essentially it being Ronda and The Rock in the same ring against Stephanie and Triple H. I I don't hate it. I think it's you know it's it, it's a move for PR, and I think those names in the same ring together will catch a lot of casual interest. It certainly will. Ronda Rousey and The Rock actually share the same uh, management uh, as well. So, I mean, they have that. Well, yeah, but they have the same specific manager in Brad Slater, uh, who represents both of them. So there is that connection as well between the two. I I think that that's certainly a, a big match to make just for, publicity sake and the fact that that will get uh, enormous coverage and attention for them going into WrestleMania. I guess with Triple H, it's 
it's just kind of strange because it's not like Ronda Rousey just fell out of the sky this weekend and they're suddenly deciding to use her. It's like this has been in the works for months and months that you would think that they have a bit of a game plan of what they want to do with her and why for the and it's maybe a small thing in the grand picture. But as you recall, for the Survivor Series, it was the go home show that Triple H was added to that match. They did a huge angle with Braun Strowman. And I think everyone assumed that that would be the Mania program. And it looks like there's a decent chance that that will not get paid off. And it'll just be one of those angles that makes no sense. And Braun never goes after this guy for revenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder when this Ronda Rousey, uh, the whole, her signing the contract, her plans for Mania, when all that was decided. Um, my feeling is that maybe ultimately they felt like Rousey's first opponent should be Stephanie McMahon. And a Ronda Rousey-Stephanie McMahon one-on-one match probably wouldn't have gone over that well in ring. Uh, and maybe thus the decision to add Triple H, add The Rock in there for, to further the star power, but also to create some a semblance of, of a decent-looking in-ring match. Yeah, I just have a hard time imagining that that was something that took mu- like Ronda's been training for months and months at the Performance Center that it took them that long to realize something like, yeah, maybe maybe this requires some other people in the match. I mean, it it took you all of 30 seconds here to kind of come to that conclusion. Do so, we know if Stephanie's been training? I'm sure she has. Uh but we'll find, we'll we'll see. I mean, it's it's a very different match if it's going to be this tag match as opposed to uh, a singles match, which I think would be a lot more daunting for Ronda in her first real match if it's at WrestleMania mm-hmm. uh, in front of a crowd, in front of people. And I think that there's a lot of there, there's a lot of risk in this over the next uh, couple of months of how capable Ronda will be as a performer if she takes to it uh, seamlessly. If she comes in and she is just mimicking what she perceives pro wrestling to be like, we've certainly seen that from people that come from outside of wrestling and they have just this kind of cartoonish view of what pro wrestling is as opposed to uh, people that come in and understand how to protect your character of how to convey yourself and and how to establish all of that, which is not something that I would expect a performer that's never done this before to to understand on day one. So I think it's all very interesting. But Ronda's not just a, a random sports performer, though. You know, she grew up around uh, a combat sports, and she grew up around people involved with professional wrestling. And so, and her body is just like her her athleticism. I think is just perfectly built for professional wrestling. So I mean, she could just come in there and whip Stephanie around a bunch of times. Or at least one or two times. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm trying to one think about how much damage Stephanie will take, and I don't think she'll take any. I think it'll be. I think t- way if they if they were to do the singles match, I think that there's no way it would have been 60 seconds. I think that there would have been a bunch of selling that Ronda would have to do, and they'd have to feel the need to do it like a 10 minute match at WrestleMania, and mm. I think that becomes very problematic. It is true. Uh, I, I mean, I, I would imagine if if it, if it, if a one on one match, even in this uh, whatever two uh two on two match, Stephanie could do a lot of kind of you know all the bells and whistles, weapons, uh, distractions, whatever, whatever, just to kind of put Ronda in the in the disadvantage. But once Ronda gets in there and just whips people around with her throws, armbar, um, 
I, I mean, I think the reaction will, will be immense. As you look at Ronda being, you know, citing that this is more than just um, a celebrity coming in for WrestleMania, this is going to be her big priority. Uh, we kind of talked about this on Sunday, um, having like a Brock Lesnar deal. I mean, what's kind of what's kind of the limit? Would you have her do occasional matches on TV? Would you utilize her at house shows? I mean, what's kind of the balancing act that you expect to see out of this woman just for this year alone? Yeah, we kind of talked about how, you know, she's somebody who is uh, certainly the closest thing you'll ever get to a Brock Lesnar feature attraction, and, and thus she should be protected for those big matches. But she's also somebody who needs experience. So um, the danger, though, is, you you know, you get anybody on the house show circuit, um, they don't really do that, like, because... Like they don't, they don't do dark matches. There's no such thing as a dark match at a house show. But even to like do a test match, you don't have The Rock doing a test match. You don't have have Brock Lesnar doing a test match for the sake of experience. You don't really have The Undertaker coming out and doing matches for the sake of uh, you know practice. So I don't see them having Ronda tour house shows. Um, I, I guess you'll just kind of have to let her get that experience either in private or. Uh, on big show pay-per-views. If she's a full-timer, I can see her, you know, doing having a lot of matches on the network specials. Uh, maybe eventually when the when the novelty wears off, I could see her having a TV match here and there as well. Uh, whether or not they should, I hope, I feel like you can last a year with Ronda not doing that. But, um, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. Remains to be seen. What do you think? I think it's incredibly difficult to I, I think there's two objectives. The the business side of things is you want this woman to be the ultimate special attraction, but you also want her to get really good at this. And I don't think you can do both at the same time. I think it's completely different. Like if if she's strict if she wants to make a career out of this, and we don't know if she's has a long term plan to do this, but let's for the sake of arguing arguing say that she is. She wants to be great at this. She should be doing as much wrestling as possible. But that is going to I, I think diminish her her star quality here and how effective it could be. Uh, as much as people complained about Brock not being around for that much, I mean. How much would Brock have burned out by year three if he was there every single week and doing house shows? I mean, he wouldn't be anywhere close to having the aura he has now. And I think that they want something closer to a Brock than they do, uh, you know, just Ronda being side by side with the likes of Bailey and Sasha and Charlotte. So certainly I, I think it's very hard to achieve both. And especially someone that has no background in this at all. I, I Yeah, I, I mean, I'm really not as concerned about her in-ring because I think you there's so many ways to just work around somebody of her abilities in order to um, create a great match just out of what she already can do. I think the, her biggest challenge will be to perform on the microphone and to act. Uh, all that stuff, yeah, and that goes into everything. Like, the matches should be very short. Mm-hmm. I think that that's... That's key. I think she's and I think the fact that we just watched the Bill Goldberg return last year um, gives and what they have invested in this woman is like they clearly have a lot more invested in her than they did Bill Goldberg. And I I thought they hit a home run with Bill Goldberg and how to get him across. Yeah. Do you I, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think that's what made her work in MMA was the fact that her matches were all like so short and so uh, in the end dominant. But 
do you think a wrestling audience will accept it knowing that, hey, like this is a predetermined short match rather than, you know, in MMA, a short match is uh, an incredibly difficult feat to achieve. Do you think that an audience will buy it? I th- I think they will. I think that that was, I mean, they kind of, they didn't really go all that way with Asuka when she was brought up, but you look at some of the the acts that have got across with just those quick squashes beyond Goldberg, like that was the template for for Nikita Koloff, for Magnum TA. It's just like these short, quick matches that it was just domination. And I think that's, it's a way to protect someone and also make them stand out. So I don't think that would be an issue uh, Mm -hmm. going that route. The question is, I mean, how, like for instance, like I, I wouldn't see that happening if they had done just the singles match with Stephanie and it's totally different if it's this tag match, which is going to have to be structured very differently where, Ronda gets a gets a tag, and I, I think it's going to be left to, well, whoever the partner is, with Hunter doing a lot of the match together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with that said, let's get into Raw from Monday night. And at the conclusion of this, we've got your feedback, and we will also have the results and the winner of the zeroth anniversary of the post-wrestling Royal Rumble pool. Way has got the results. Our accounting firm... Chris Engler Waterhouse has tabulated the results, and those are all coming your way on tonight's show. Very exciting. It's it's uh, it's in a sealed envelope, actually. Way has uh, right this moment, so we don't even know. We don't know the contents of this. Mm-hmm. This was our third straight night at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I would say this was an audience that they probably felt like they've sat through 38 hours of wrestling by the time raw rolled around on Monday night. What did you feel about the, the Philadelphia crowd tonight? Because they've, they've seen a lot, those that stuck around in town. Well, they started off really hot, but it seemed as though they were definitely experiencing some itis from the past, uh, weekend of great wrestling. Well, I don't understand why they weren't, uh, more captivated because we had some big stuff on this show. We had a new graphics package. Yeah. No new theme yet, but I anticipate that perhaps next week. No, but the bumper music sounded new. Did you notice that? Uh, not really. But yeah, it also tells me that, yeah, we'll probably get a whole new package. Well, if if Twitter is to be believed, uh, Papa Roach had sent out a tweet earlier in the day encouraging all of us to watch Raw tonight. And I can only hope that in 2018, Papa Roach was the go-to band for a new Raw theme. Oh, why not? We should essentially just cycle through all, like all those bands every time. Yeah, we're, we're going back now in time to bands that have done prior Raw themes. I mean, maybe we'll get to Union Underground eventually. Uh, lots of possibilities now. Mm-hmm. And Monday also featured the newest member of the Raw broadcast team. Booker T is gone. Apparently, when he took off last night, he really is. he really did leave. He's not coming back to the Raw team. Jonathan Coachman is back. And right off the top, Michael Cole and Corey Graves thanked Booker T for filling in. He's, been, he? he's been filling in all this time, way since last summer. Did he know that? Did he know the that fun- he was filling in? Well, he originally was when David Otunga went off to do some movie and then never came back. But what's funny is that his the guy who he filled in for, he's not coming back either. So Booker is now exclusive to the pay-per-view panels on the kickoff shows which and, which otunga's been doing yeah i i wonder i hope otunga still has uh 
his job intact. Maybe he took Coachman's job. I I was perplexed by this. And by the end of this show, this might be my least favorite three-man Raw team that they've assembled to date. Okay. I'm not that confused by it because, obviously, with Booker, there were some problems. If After every week, um, one of our main talking points is Booker T and uh, how ridiculous the man sounds. I think that you need to do something about it. And I suppose, I don't know, for whatever reason, maybe coach like, so he's no longer with ESPN, correct? He was part of the cutbacks. Yeah, he will. He quietly left uh, earlier this year or last year, I should say. He's free. He's been in our system before. He is an actual broadcaster with an announcer's voice and he's black. Okay. So I hate to say it, but clearly this is what it is. So give him a chance and, and let's see how he fits in. Today was a bit rough for a for first week back. I just go back to listen. I maybe I am more open to Booker T than the vast majority of people. I'm not saying this guy was great, but he served a purpose on the team. Like I, I saw a reason that they had this this goofball that would just say wild things. And I will admit, I I got entertained by this guy. I could not say I hated Booker T on commentary. But you you looked in the same way that we might like uh, Art Donovan. Yes, I'm not denying that. But Jonathan Coachman, I don't know what what gap there was in the announce presentation that Coachman is filling now. Because all I see is a guy that is a – it's like all of these guys are kind of down the middle with their opinions playing off one another. We don't have distinct like babyface heel dynamics amongst the announcers. It's just three guys that are pretty much straight in their delivery – and that's it. And I think that Cole, the combination of Cole and Coachman drags Corey down a lot. And it's just a mix that I did not enjoy on this show. I think Coach and Corey kind of overlap. And you're right. Maybe Cole and Coach overlap right now, too. But we know that chemistry kind of takes time to form between announcers. And I imagine these three, it was probably their first. It was their first time working together all all at once. I imagine today after the show, they probably had a big meeting talking about what worked, what didn't work. And hopefully the next time we hear these guys, they'll start to kind of form their own distinct roles within the the, the team. But on the first week, I, I don't really expect them to really nail it right away. Well, we uh, move on over to uh, the start of the show and Stephanie McMahon comes out introduced as the chief brand officer and one of the trailblazers in the women's evolution, which was pretty much uh, her exact role. She played on the broadcast team on Sunday night as well. So I'll say this coachman was an upgrade from Stephanie as the third voice. I'll give him that. Yes. Yes. She ran through the highlights of the Royal rumble. Nia Jax is now being referred to as the irresistible force. And apparently this show was just uh, – it was resistible to Naya because she was not seen at all on this show. She ran through all of the names from the past that appeared, mentioned Ronda Rousey becoming the newest WWE superstar. But tonight is about the winner, Asuka. And from that moment, I think everyone realized no Ronda tonight. Stephanie and Asuka were in the ring together. Asuka came out, and I was very scared about this way. I saw Stephanie and Asuka holding microphones, and I didn't know what was going to happen here. Mm-hmm. And Stephanie says that Alexa, uh, 
Alexa Bliss may not be women's champion by WrestleMania, so Asuka doesn't necessarily have to pick who she's going to face yet because Alexa will have to defend the title in an elimination chamber match, the first ever women's elimination chamber match. And listen, I, I thought the Royal Rumble worked very well. I was glad we didn't get another big ceremony and parade of all the talent to announce the big earth-shattering first women's elimination chamber match. I think we can now just accept that people can totally buy the women in all of these different gimmick matches, and we didn't need uh, a giant reveal here. This was just kind of a match announcement, and I was fine with that. Asuka goes to cut a promo in Japanese, and the people were right on the verge of just uh, chanting what at her, and she says that she will become the champion at WrestleMania because no one is ready for Asuka. What did you think about this segment with Oscar and Stephanie and mm. Stephanie in her, in her heels here, just uh, towering over Oscar. But I thought Oscar has so much charisma that she can overcome even Stephanie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie being there. I mean, I think it, at this point, it's just something we've come to expect. Uh, it's, it's almost, she's almost like the WWE watermark in the corner of the screen. Like she just has to have her face as part of these segments so that when, when in history, whenever this stuff gets played back, you'll see her face there. Uh, oh my whatever. God. If, if you had suggested that ahead of the Royal rumble might've actually happened. Maybe the belt should just be a Stephanie's face on the belt. Oh, a, a spinner belt of her face with yeah. that, that smile of hers mm-hmm. with the, with Asuka's promo. I mean, uh, you know, this has kind of been the biggest sticking point uh, with her, with Nakamura, any of the Japanese talent that have come onto the main roster. How do we, get their personalities across without their ability to, to speak, to cut a, a, a an English promo. And um, I think Asuka does it better than Nakamura, or at, or at least they've managed to find a method with Asuka that, that is more successful than with Nakamura. Here, they ultimately just kind of, they've given in and they've said, okay, she's somebody who just speaks Japanese. Um, she should just, like, I, I, assu- I assume maybe the thinking is that her speaking in her native language, is better than her simply coming out and trying to speak English. They, the idea, I feel, is probably get the person to show their personality in their own language and then have them do a translation for the audience. And this audience likes her enough that I think they're willing to accept it. Um, if she just comes out and does the English promo in kind of like broken English, it gives the impression that maybe this person does, doesn't even know how to properly speak. Whereas I think, you know, having her speak her, her language, she just appears much more, I think, um, lively. So, like, you know, you watch, like, New Japan, you see guys cut promos in Japanese all the time. And, like, I, you know, it's hard to say how Okada or, or Naito would, would do um, to a typical WWE fan. But, like, you watch, you know, we all watch, watch those matches and their personalities come across completely, even if we don't understand what they're saying. So I imagine that to be kind of the method that that they're going with Asuka right now. And conversely, a lot of English-speaking performers in New Japan that don't feel a need to have to learn Japanese. Yeah, exactly, yes. And it resonates. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering maybe maybe Asuka could join us later this week for a podcast and people could get to know her a bit more. She could be on Asuka Way. <laughs> Can you do an Asuka? No, I definitely can't do an Oscar. Tougher. Uh, but that show will be out later this week. 
Sasha interrupts, and she said that Sunday was a dream come true. She congratulates Asuka and says that she is ready for Asuka tonight. And Stephanie says, cool, we'll make the match. And they had a stare down, and they traded words. Uh, this is definitely the most uh, – these two nights, I think, have been the best two nights back-to-back that Sasha has had since her call-up. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, you you pointed out how uh, she was kind of going through a bit of a heel thing yesterday. And I just kind of took it to to be like her her showing a bit of like that rumble aggression. You know, it's everybody for themselves. But, the you know, uh, on this show, she certainly carried uh, forward some of that heel aggression. Whether or not it is setting up a full-blown heel turn, I, I more than welcome it. I think Sasha, for a long time, has just, you know, especially when she was, she was turned babyface, she just kind of lost that edge. And even, uh, you know, the slight glimpse we, we've had over the past few days is, is a welcome change for her. It's kind of interesting tonight how there were a bunch of loose ends from the Rumble that we just didn't get tonight. Like, I was assuming that we'd get some follow-up to Sasha eliminating her best friend, but we had no Bailey on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Same, no Seth Rollins tonight after the, the deal with Roman Reigns. Uh, Jason Jordan presumably is hurt, but no Jason Jordan on this show as well. So there were some key people that they just left off the show. We mentioned Nia Jax as well, Mm. uh, and there were probably others. They explained that tonight there will also be qualifying matches for the men's Elimination Chamber match, where the winner in four weeks will get a shot at Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. And those three qualifying matches will consist of a last man standing match between Braun Strowman and Kane, John Cena against Finn Balor, So we have the two men who challenged the champion on Sunday, two people involved in the final four at the Royal Rumble, and then our third qualifying match, Matt Hardy versus Elias. (laughs) Who made these matches? Like, Kurt Angle's an idiot. Mm. Why Uh, would you book Cena against Balor if your goal is to have the best in this match? Yeah, that's a good question. Um I would say, like, I mean, ideally, if you're doing something like this, you'd want to do, like, like how they do it in, like, sports, where, like, the best team that qualifies faces the worst team that qualifies. Yeah, these are the worst rankings ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, great question for Kurt Angle, but I, I, I would have a lot of questions for Kurt Angle as a GM. Braun Strowman and Kane kicked off. Their last man standing match. This might have set a record for being the shortest last man standing match in history. Strowman came out and brought weapons out. They returned from the commercial. The match has begun. Kane used a kendo stick and then they brawled through the crowd up to the announcer's area. Braun used a chair on Kane, drove a case into his arm. And then the announcers leave the announcer's area. And Kane is laying in front of the staging where the announcers are. And Braun goes behind and tips the stage and the desk over top, landing on Kane, crushing him to death. And Braun roars and then leaves. This went two minutes and 43 seconds, and Braun qualifies for the elimination chamber. Wow, was that it? Two minutes? Yeah. Wow. Like, I mean, I, I knew it was a short match, but, like, even, I think, the the fact that they were able to walk from the ring to the announcer's desk, tip over that announcer's desk all in two minutes. That's pretty impressive. Um, I love how this, they, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm just, I was just going to say this would also later in the show, give us the greatest medical update in the history of WWE, which was what? Well, we'll get to that. Okay. Well, I love how they continue to create these great, big supernatural feats of strength for Braun. I thought this match was great. 
It was short, and it just contained a big brawl with a big stun at the end. This is all I want from a Braun-Kane match. I was very satisfied. I thought it was a great-looking spot. Yes. Um, it kind of just left... They left this visual of this destroyed uh, announcer's area mm-hmm. for the whole show, and... Cole, Coachman, and Graves had to be moved over to a ringside area where they were set up on chairs with a monitor on the floor while the production team built them a desk on the floor. Yeah, I, I mean, that whole side story, you know, uh, I thought it was very effective uh, to, to kind of sell the effects of this wreckage. Um, I, I, I mean, I think, like... If they did the whole show crouched over that little monitor, it would have been hilarious. But uh, no, this was perfectly fine. You want to know something crazy on the WWE's YouTube channel? Do you want to guess what the three most viewed clips uh, from the Royal Rumble are? Do you have any idea? Okay. Uh, We're just talking from the Rumble itself or like interviews? Yeah, yeah. They just break them up into like little... Little two-minute videos, yeah. like which which three things okay. would have generated the most interest? Well, Ronda, obviously, um, and then I'm gonna say uh, perhaps uh, uh, Finn Balor, or sorry, sorry, what, what, Nakamura winning. Okay, and then the third, because you asked this question in such a way, I'm going to say uh, Elias. Okay, the third most viewed was Trish Stratus's return. 1.6 million views as we're looking at this on Monday night. Number two was Ronda Rousey at 1.9 million views. Number one with 5.1 million views was Rey Mysterio's return. Wow. Wow. Like, incredibly more than Ronda. Wow, that's that's quite amazing. And not a peep about Rey on this show tonight. No, uh, other than the brief mention that you heard when uh, all the cruiserweights are talking about That's who they right. wanted for their for the cruiserweight GM. Oh, how I want Mauro Ronaldo to be the GM of 205 Live. Well, yeah, Cedric Alexander's wish. Mauro <laughs> Ronaldo as the GM of 205. But, uh, I mean, you know. I, I can guarantee it won't be Mauro and Eric Bischoff as co-GMs. Uh, I don't think I don't think that no? one would work. Probably so? not. Huh. No. Maybe a Matt Rats reunion. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no mention of Ray. But do you kind of put it past them that that they would um, not use him in two hundred five live as the GM? Oh, I would hope not. Yeah. Like what a. I mean, he I just know. did probably what the viewership of two hundred five live was for the last six months oh, in one night yeah. on YouTube. He did that. Yeah. Then we had the medics che- checking on Kane. We had Adam Pierce out and Graves interviewed Braun and informs Braun that was a human being. What did you do? Uh, so he's reduced Kane to a mere mortal now. Uh, he said he did his job. Kurt made it a last man standing. That's what I do. And we hadn't. Sorry, this was not the point of the medical update on Kane. No, but uh, okay. if I, I don't even know where it is in my notes, but they, we'll, we'll get to it. They meant- it was one I quoted directly. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Well, um, I uh, Braun here cut sort of like an explosive promo, and uh, he cited wanting Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, and um, yeah, Braun I think is you know like over the past several months kind of developed this like really angry promo style kind of like that of like yeah he's essentially sort of like just a six-year-old who gets really mad really angry 
Uh, but he just happens to have this giant body. And I think it's working out. Kane was taken out on a stretcher. The announcers are standing on the stage just in shock of what has happened. And then Braun is storming backstage and Kurt the goofball confronts him. And he's furious as he continues to put guys in danger. And Braun yells and says that he should have done more. And there will be one last man standing at Elimination Chamber. It will be him. And he'll be the last one standing over Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. And Kurt just did his over-the-top, goofy reaction face to these to Braun. Elias was in the ring, and he mentioned John Cena casually eliminating him, but you can't dwell on the past, so we're just moving on. He's focused on Elimination Chamber. The crowd yells to walk with Elias after they're prompted by Elias, and then he sings about having Lesnar in his sights, the WrestleMania main event that uh, nobody is putting money on when the odds come out. And then he's interrupted by Matt Hardy, and these two were going to have a qualifying match to join Braun Strowman in the Elimination Chamber match. Uh, This is where we got the shot of the production team literally building a desk for the announcers at ringside. Elias swarms them with strikes in the corner, wraps Matt's shoulder around the post. They go through a break. Michael Cole reduces Matt's gimmick to he babbles. He's just always babbling. Matt hits a side effect for a two count, and then the lights go out with Bray's graphic, and Matt is so distracted by this, he turns around into a running boot, the drift away, Elias wins, and Coach explains that Matt wasn't focused for a split second. Wow, so Elias is in the chamber. Yes. Oh my god, I can't believe it. Yeah, well, uh... And Finn Balor is not. Hopefully there's something better for Bray, uh, for for Finn Balor at the at that uh, at the pay per view, but Elias being in it, man, it to me it takes down the I guess importance of the of that match. Uh, I thought this match was dull, and I didn't think it was just Elias this time. I think Matt as a singles in ring has been kind of boring for a while, and without the character doing more, he just feels awfully flat. Yes, uh, woke and Matt is putting many to sleep i feel (laughs) cole explains that elias is one win away from wwe wrestlemania with elias coachman asks if cole has been sitting on that one all day and cole responds no elias just used that before the match and coach goes oh yeah (laughs) our successor has been found for booger t Mm. bray shows up on the screen laughing and laughing Matt starts to laugh, and that was it. I'm done. Totally like, done. I was done with this like two weeks ago. I, I thought when they had the match uh, last week at the Manhattan Center, that was going to be the end of this. They tried to rekindle it at the Rumble, and I don't think anybody gave a shit. And at, to, 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 to do this this week, like after Matt's laughing promo was so successful last time, I don't know what they're thinking. I really don't. Like this this whole Bray Matt Hardy feud is just I can't believe Bray's come up with another contender for worst feud of the year. Like he's been batting a thousand in terms of worst feuds over the past year and a half. This is gonna go until Elimination Chamber at least. We're gonna get another month yeah. of this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the worst. Uh the selfie promos are here to stay. The Miz talked about his rematch that is owed to Roman Reigns. That's going to happen later tonight. He's brought honor and prestige back to the title and says that 
He deserves a standing ovation after he defends his title, just like the one Tom Brady should receive when he crushes the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl this Sunday. So it took them until night number three in Philadelphia to do a Philadelphia Eagles joke. I was waiting for it, and it was used sparingly here with The Miz. Dude, uh, what do you think of the the selfie promos? Too Way too said. overdone already. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them. I mean, uh, I I have to wonder how the talent feel about them because, um, you know, I wonder if there's a difference in doing a promo to a phone by yourself versus doing it with a bunch of people uh, on cameras and being coached to do it multiple times. Uh, I wonder how how they feel about it, and I wonder if that has anything to do with them choosing to, to continue with these or if it's just strictly like sort of a way to... Uh, again, seem seem more current in, in a way to save on production costs. Far be it for me to play creative director of WWE programming. But to me, it's totally different when I'm watching a promo that Mojo Raleigh is cutting on even the WWE's YouTube, much less uh, his own, for instance. But on this, within the body of the show, for a company that spends high six figures for their episodes every week. Like these tapings, like it's state-of-the-art production. Everything is slick and down to a T that it's just like tonally doesn't jive for me when we're Mm -hmm. going from like such a slick video package into a dude holding up his phone and doing a walk and talk by himself. Yeah, it feels forced. You know, Um, I would say like it would make sense if it was like a, like CNN, for instance, can really get away with, you know, showing cell phone footage because cell phone footage typically, you know, takes place from in moments where you don't have access to a camera. But in the WWE, you know that they have these million, you know, million dollar budgets and very expensive cameras just sitting next to these guys that they could use, but they choose not to. In the same settings, like the same backstage area that we get this beautifully lit backstage promo with Renee interviewing you. Now John Cena is just wandering around with his cell phone. Mm, I personally don't expect them to last too long. Uh, I expect, you know, either Vince or Kevin Dunn to kind of come to their senses. But it's just, it just doesn't, to, to me, like, um, I don't think they're completely working. And it, to me, it just seems so different from the aesthetic that we've seen from those guys that I don't expect these to last too long. It really does help, though, with the name cards. So I, I knew which one was The Miz and which one was John Cena. Oh, you so mean that- the... The big, bold orange font uh, in front of a black background. Like those kind of look like slates that that like weren't supposed to make it to air. Maybe they should wear name tags. Just so Uh, we know who everyone is. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) We got a mixed match challenge promo. Brought to you by an iPhone. Sami Zayn and Becky Lynch said they are that Braun and Alexa Bliss are going to get burned from their straight fire. And then we go to Braun, who starts cutting a promo. Alexa pops up in the background, and they are Team Little Big, and they will extinguish their straight fire. They're Team Little Big, and then Alexa starts snapping, and Braun tries to snap, but he can't. Yeah, he he figuratively snaps, and she literally does. Right. Yeah, I I, I find it quite like interesting that they're allowing Braun to kind of do a lot of this stuff when I think in the past they'd be so much more protective of a of a monster that they're trying to create, you know, uh, especially like a guy who on this very show lifted an announce desk and killed another man. Here he is with Alexa Bliss, 
realizing the fact that he can't snap his fingers and smiling as a result. I feel like they've reached a level where they they just feel this guy is Teflon that we can throw anything at this guy and it's mm. it's like this weird it's like we threw all this stuff into a blender and it should taste like garbage because there's so much different ingredients from all over the the kitchen but for whatever reason it tastes fine yeah so who cares throw in a pickle with the your banana yeah it's like a stew exactly yes. Uh, yeah. uh, did you watch the Mixed Match Challenge week two? Yeah, I, I recapped it on the show last week. Oh, yeah, you did. Sorry, uh, you did. Yeah, why? Because <laughs> I didn't. Uh, oh. I just, I, I've like almost forgotten about the Mixed Match Challenge yeah, yeah. until this promo came on. Uh, Miz- I, I'll, I'll be interested in this one just to see how they do the, I mean, just to see their treatment of Braun. I think that I find that the most interesting. They're just, I, I just I draw the line when I, I've got to like go out of my way and find this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, like if I had if I was in the U.S. and had Facebook Watch, I'm sure it would just be so easy to watch it. But it's not, and I'm just like I'm just lazy, and yeah, I just yeah. like what what am I even finding here? I'm finding a 10 minute match that has no consequence into like there's there's no attachment of the mixed match challenge into raw or smackdown other than these promos mm-hmm. like there's no bleed over of any consequences or anything i don't think it's a show i'm being told i don't need to watch they're house show matches basically yeah yes the miz and roman reigns rematch for the ic title uh graves compared the miz to tom brady uh the announcers mentioned that pat patterson was around all weekend and i'm curious if he had anything to do with the Rumble or if he was just a spectator all weekend, uh, just hanging around in Philadelphia. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, going back to, I mean, 2014, that was the Batista win. The next year was the Reigns win. 2016 was Hunter's win. And then last year had the Randy Orton win. And I would say all four of those Royal Rumbles had their problems. And this one was a dramatic comeback for the uh, for the men's Rumble. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, we don't know if maybe Pat Patterson just shows up to all of them. I, I mean, I've, I I don't I, believe he's been working on them for a few years now. Oh, okay. I wonder if uh, I wonder how how much he keeps up to date with the current product. But I think it, it like it's it it has to be a, just a good idea to to just you know even after you've already come up with your initial uh, ideas, just bring them to to the guy who used to do this all the time and just ask him, hey, what do you think? It's like asking uh, Steven Spielberg, what do you think of my script? You know, before you 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 get it out there. Like, that can't be a bad idea. Yeah. Whoever was responsible for the layout of, especially the men's match, I, I think it was it was really well put together on Sunday. Uh, Reigns drives him into the steel steps and then clotheslines him to the floor. We go through a commercial break and we come back with Way's favorite. Reigns is trapped in a headlock. Oh, there are just like, there are multiple instances of. I mean, whatever. Like, th- th- this is not a new complaint with WWE style. It's just, um, uh, I just don't think it works to me. Like, because I've I've saw plenty of matches this weekend that didn't have these extensive headlock things. I mean, uh, you could slow down a match in any number of ways instead of just this. You know, like uh, we we saw a number number of matches on their own takeover show that had very aggressive looking rest spots that were a lot more exciting than than this miz clipped the knee of roman reigns and then attacked him with the it kicks gets caught is 
uh, Reigns goes for a power bomb, and Miz goes for a sunset flip, and then comes up and applies the figure four onto the bad knee. As the announcer said, that Ric Flair must be loving this. And Reigns is holding his knee. He's in so much pain from the shooter, uh, Miz, here. Because you can't spell Minoru Suzuki without M-I-Z. Whoa. (laughs) Miz gets caught trying to undo a turnbuckle. And the referee gets in front of him. And then he thumbs Reigns in the eye. Hits a skull-crushing finale. Reigns kicks out. Uh, The crowd then gets into this. Uh, they're chanting, this is awesome. Dallas and Axel run down and Reigns goes after them. Dallas pulls Miz to the floor. Miz strikes him down. And then the ref is tending to the Miz as Reigns brings Dallas into the ring. There's a Superman punch to Axel, a spear to Dallas, but then Miz grabs Reigns and uses a schoolboy and wins as Michael Cole just shits on the officiating for providing way too much leeway for what the Miz got away with. Uh, but for the second straight week, the Miz beat Roman Reigns. Uh, to keep the Intercontinental title. Did the result surprise you? No. I thought maybe they were going to do a countout or some kind of finish like that, but I don't think it... um, Yeah, I I didn't think it really hurt Reigns. Um, I think he's going to go on a tear going into WrestleMania, and... Will he will he get his revenge on the Mistarage at all? Because I if to, for him losing, I expected, you know, him... I expected somebody else to kind of interfere and... So that Reigns could break off into another program. But at the end of this, it was just more Miztourage causing Reigns the, 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 the match. Yeah, I just don't know what the point is of doing another match with the Miz where it's either non-title or Reigns winning the title back. Like mm-hmm. maybe you could do a physical angle with the Miz. But I mean, that's the kind of it's like if you're going to do this and we want the Miz to get a win or two wins over Roman Reigns, but then Reigns gets all his heat back. Well, why did you even beat him? Why did you even beat him? Well, uh, so that, um, ah, so ultimately they want Miz with the belt and they want Roman with the other bigger belt. That's why. Um, I just, I just found, found it, found it slightly interesting because like you said last week, they have been so protective of Roman. That. Maybe they thought that this crowd would be much more anti-Roman, and instead they were just, this was a, just a regular crowd reaction. Maybe they thought it was going to be this great atmosphere, and people would want to see Reigns lose, and it'd be more impactful, but don't know. it was just a match. Yeah, I mean, I, I th- the, the crowd seemed to really like it. Uh, it seemed like a good match by the end, but I'm just personally, personally not a fan of either man's wrestling, so I found it uh, honestly quite dull. Maybe, especially since I watched this right after I finished TakeOver. But I appreciate that, you know, they probably had a a, a really great Roman Reigns and Miz match. The Revival took on Rhino and Heath Slater. They cut off the ring. Dawson was trying to lift Slater, but eventually he reached out and tagged Rhino, uh, who came in, hit a belly-to-belly to Dawson, and then Dawson clips the knee of Rhino for our second straight match, working the knee. And then Slater is down on the floor, and they hit the shatter machine to pin Rhino. After the match, Charlie interviewed them, and they said that they just beat the first-ever SmackDown Live Tag Champions and asks Charlie how they compare to the Graham brothers. And Charlie is not familiar with the Graham brothers. Wilder says she's just like the crowd that doesn't care. They're chanting ECW to get themselves over, and most... And then this resulted in probably the most forced ECW chant I've ever heard uh, as this crowd just like felt the need to have to respond with the chant here. But it was very lukewarm. They learn from the past 
and the people can't stop living in the past. As the weeks progress, I think we're starting to learn more and more about the revival's characters. Um, this, like they, but last week they they said they are. Wait, sorry, two weeks ago they said they are, that they are pro wrestlers and not sports entertainers. Correct. Yes. And this week they said they use terms like the audience getting themselves over and citing the Grand Brothers. So I take it that they are essentially just kind of your old school wrestling fan who's on the internet that hates what's around today. Like like they're like they're Rip Rogers or, or they're Vader. They're people who don't like the current stuff, but yet uh I guess are inside enough that, that they they know these terms. Um so it's interesting. I, I, I'm really liking them more and more each week. I did like that. Of all the people they chose, it was the Graham brothers. And involved in that is Dr. Jerry Graham, who was Vince McMahon's favorite wrestler when he was younger. Maybe that, that was a Vince suggestion. Could have been. Then they aired the video for the Dudley boys who are going into the Hall of Fame and ended with Graves and Cole doing the setup line. Devon, get the Hall of Fame rings. And they joined Bill Goldberg. So we've got a very uh, 2003 Raw theme to this uh, year's inductees. Solid. Maybe Chris Nowinski will go in. Um, probably or not. Scott Steiner. Do, do you know uh, who the rumored names are right now? Uh, well, Brad Shepard, the one who uh, had the, the XFL story uh, that he broke, at the same time, he reported the names that were among the inductees, and they had and he had Goldberg listed, he had the Dudley Boys listed, and the other ones were, as I recall, Ivory, Bam Bam Bigelow, and for the celebrity wing, Kid Rock. Oh, my God. Well, which I think, uh, I, I can only imagine, uh, Kid Rock and that acceptance speech. Maybe we'll get a concert at the Hall of Fame. What has Kid Rock done aside from like perform a few times? He did a he did an appearance on a Raw in 2000. He performed at WrestleMania in Houston. What more do you want? It's it's more than Donald Trump, I guess. Donald Trump legitimately was part of the most well. I think uh, yeah, when all was said and done, that is true. Like, You're right. Like one of the, the single biggest WrestleManias of all time with that angle with Vince McMahon. I mean, Donald Trump. Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, this is the the silly WWE Hall of Fame. But I mean, if you're going to come up with any kind of a bar, at least Donald Trump, you can say move business. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, a Kid Rock, I mean, how many of his songs have been used over the years for different pay-per-views? So maybe maybe that's the justification. So you know what that means? Saliva. Papa Roach. Oh, man. So many options here. Yeah. Finn Balor's with Gallows and Anderson on their phone. Uh, Balor put over the length he was in the Rumble for. He kept fighting for the chance to go to WrestleMania, but it was taken away by John Cena. Now he has to step up against the man that cost him the Rumble match, and he won't just step up. He'll step over John Cena tonight. I thought it was a good promo from Finn. Yeah, I thought I thought Finn really benefited from the Rumble, and then... Uh, and benefited in, from the selfie mode. Uh, yeah, he got the most out of this, uh, this selfie promo. Renee interviewed Sasha Banks backstage. She says that she is moments away from defeating Asuka, and it's her turn to make history. And that led us to Sasha Banks and Asuka, uh, which may have been uh, the scariest match I've seen all year. 
Corey asks if Sasha and Asuka share the same hairdresser. This was met with uh, no response from either of the other commentators. Uh, it starts off with Asuka in control, and then Banks makes her comeback and hit the double knees with Asuka draped in the corner. She applied the Banks statement, and Asuka counters out into a cover. Banks kicks out and then kicks out of a backslide, goes back to the Banks statement, and Asuka escapes that. Asuka's on the floor. And Sasha goes for a suicide dive, which maybe every so often we need to be reminded of why it was called the suicide dive, because that is what this nearly was. She tripped up on the ropes while Asuka was supposed to kick her coming down. And what happened was Sasha and her face crashed into the LED screen, and I thought she was going to be joining Kane. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. And then they yeah. replayed this. I can't remember which one it was. One of the announce, one of the broadcasters was like laughing during the replay here. I'm like, this woman could be seriously hurt right now. And this was just nuts. Yeah. They got pretty lucky here. Uh, Sasha, mean, between that Lita moonsault and this, mm-hmm. I don't know if Sasha's religious, but. She should be thanking somebody after these 48 hours. It was it was those two. Uh, Jey, Us- Jey Uso had some kind of uh, uh, sketchy looking uh, dives over the top rope too. Um, but, you know, shit, like, she's done this fine multiple times, right? This one just happened to look really bad. And uh, thank goodness. Could have been much worse. Could have been a lot worse. Will she stop doing it? I'm sure there are going to be a lot of people telling her no longer to do it. Um, but we'll see, but she's, she's done it fine multiple times before this one looked mm, awful. The thing is though, this crowd was not really into this match, a match that I think, you know, uh, Asuka versus any of the four horsewomen to me is sort of like your highest caliber matches that you could make outside of Ronda Rousey, of course. But, um, to, to me, they're matches that you can build up to the fact that they decided to go to this on a free episode of raw. Suggests to me that maybe Asuka's making the move to SmackDown and you won't really get this pairing too much anymore in the future. But that said, this crowd wasn't really all that into it. This, until this, until Sasha nearly killed herself. And then that kind of got the crowd into it. So it was sort of like a Sean Taker moment when when Taker um, landed on his head at at WrestleMania 25. That kind of added to the match, I I hate to say. Masochists. All of you. (laughs) Uh, So Asuka... In, I guess, just trying to allow Sasha to uh, regain her her breath, did this hip toss and then kneed her right in the face and then just lit her up with these spinning back fists and a spin kick and then followed with a sliding knee uh, that, I mean, Asuka is either the snuggest worker in the world or so I thought Sasha's face was going to explode here. But it's, appeared to be fine. This is exactly what Asuka should have been doing from the get-go once she came up from the main roster. Is to have, like, is to assault and just, like, like work a, a lot more snug. I think, I think it benefits the entire women's division to have somebody like her just, like, appear to actually beat the shit out of people. Because that's how you, that's how she gets over. She was having all these matches with, like, Emma and... Even even a lot of those like um, jobber matches where she you know her offense looked good but it didn't make you go ooh and and uh, you know some of the the knee that she did here uh, a lot of her strikes that she did here coming off of that botch I think 
was like really the first time to me Asuka felt like a scary uh dominating kind of uh a competitor on the main roster then Sasha did come back and she went for the double knees off the top and one of her knees landed on Asuka's head coming down that they replayed a number of times uh, she hit the backstabber into the bank statement uh, after avoiding the Asuka lock and then kicks off the rope, gets to the center. But by kicking off, this allowed Asuka to counter into the Asuka lock and Sasha taps out. And both are just spent. They're laying down, selling the effects of this match. And Sasha, there is a tear coming from her eye as she lays there. And they've got this great close-up shot of her where she just is mentally defeated. And None of the announcers called attention to this at all. Michael Cole's teeing up the next segment, and I was just screaming for them to just let this moment breathe for a minute. Like there's this great shot of Sasha mm-hmm. who, to me, this is going to be the character turn. This will be the impetus for it is coming up short against Asuka and failing. And you've got her in tears here at the end of this match, and it was as if it was she was invisible to the the announcers. The, the shot was beautiful, and – Maybe maybe it's because they were, I don't know if that by this point they had moved to the desk yet or not, but sometimes they had. It, sometimes it's a little tough to kind of catch details like that on a small monitor. Nonetheless, like if if anybody in the truck saw it, I think they could have easily told them, "Hey, like check this out. This is really cool." I doubt that it's something that they had planned for, but uh, the fact that they all caught it and gave us a great close up of that moment that could really kind of lead to something. Or that that's also congruent with what the character's going through, I think was really nice. John Cena's selfie promo, uh, where typically they have the, I don't know if they, they always have the, the Twitter handle of the performer, but for this one, it was just the WWE's Twitter handle as though it was like his name. Kind of fits with him. It's like the voice of the WWE, literally now. Yeah. He says he doesn't know how he's going to get on the road to WrestleMania, if it will be by plane, train, automobile, Vespa, or Segway. He can win the Elimination Chamber to get to WrestleMania, and he's always being asked when he's done, but he's just getting started. Yeah, and then like to throw the commercial, Coach said Corey called him the face that runs the place. I thought that was AJ's thing. Yes, and then afterwards... Um, they had a feud Co- over it. Well, Coachman made a joke about it, and that's when Corey said, listen, I've just called 38 hours of wrestling over the last two nights. Oh, That's okay. his reason for getting it wrong. I see. It's like, Coachman, do you really want to be the guy to call someone out on a, on a miscue? Like, no chance that's ever going to come back on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, before the end of this show, it would. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, There was a SmackDown ad all built around Shinsuke Nakamura's Rumble win. And this is when it'll become very interesting way of so much is going to be focused upon Shinsuke now for the next couple of months and and how they're going to handle Nakamura, which I think is it's been a struggle for them. And now he is not just a a role player on SmackDown. He's going to be the key focus for the next couple of months. Now that it's it's actually really important to get this guy over uh, and and. I feel like they will finally go to kind of what worked for him. Um, for whatever reason, they, they've been so um, against doing video packages for for guys. Uh, but with Nakamura, we've seen that these things work. 
you know? Um, and, and so I, I imagine in the next several weeks, you'll start to see video packages with Shinsuke Nakamura that they can pre-produce where he can even speak and you can subtitle him if you want, but even if he like, you want him to speak English, you can do multiple takes so that you get the best, you know, take of, of uh, the most clear take of him, um, projecting himself and, and, and showing off what type of personality he is. So I hope to see that in the next two months ahead. Maybe he'll go surfing. Just air that. That I I actually thought that was a great piece. If they decided to air that that dot com piece, I I would have no issues. Sheamus, but, but but also like you know it's interesting. Sorry to cut you off, but like I want to know like how much reference they'll make to their New Japan match um, because like AJ's tweet today was basically all referencing their last match in Japan. Um, so it's it'll be great promotion for New Japan World, I guess. Yeah, I don't know how much they will. I'm sure they'll allude to them having a past in Japan, but I don't imagine them going heavy into the fact that they have had a match. If anything, I think they're going to position it as the dream match at WrestleMania, and that yeah. will be the extent of it. I, I don't imagine them going too deep on that. But but like in, in AJ's tweet, he's tweeting how um, it's been 700 however many days since you beat me last. And so at least he is making that part of the narrative that, hey, Last time we fought, you beat me. I now have the belt, and I'm out here for revenge. Well, maybe he, maybe uh, Shinsuke could have cut a promo that I've fought both champions at the Tokyo Dome, and that could have been the storyline. Oh, right. He, he's, is, faced bo- he's faced both. That is quite interesting. Was that a Tokyo Dome match, too, the, the Lesnar one? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was, uh, it was the Dome show uh, 2006. I guess, when, um, yeah, I guess it makes sense why he wouldn't choose Brock. Because he yeah. lost. Yeah, we, and had a shitty match together, too. So yeah. the AJ one, I mean, he's looking for match quality here. Sheamus and Cesaro defended the Raw tag titles against Titus O'Neil and Apollo Crews. Every time they do a title match, the, the ring announcer introduces the champions and the challengers. And when JoJo introduced Titus O'Neil and Apollo Crews, I can't remember a time there's been such a nothing reaction from the crowd as they announced the challengers for these tag titles. Well, I mean, think about what this crowd's already seen this past weekend. I mean, to have, okay, they've seen uh, an amazing takeover with, with a match that some people are calling the best match of all time in the WWE. They witnessed the Royal Rumble with, with nostalgia overload and the wins of Shinsuke Nakamura and Asuka and Ronda Rousey appearing. And they just saw uh, some great matches, um, yeah, some okay matches on this show. But to follow that up with Titus Worldwide, there's no chance. It's like it's like treating them to like a two hundred five live at the end of a SmackDown. Oh, I I think that they were spoiled by this having this tag title match here on Raw. Uh, Apollo immediately goes for a roll up on Sheamus for a two count, and the announcers remind us that Sheamus was eliminated in the Royal Rumble in two seconds on Sunday night and uh, is now one of the tag champions. Then we got some of the worst conversational material I've ever heard three individuals partake in uh, about Coachman joining Titus Worldwide and that somehow got him back into the WWE. Uh, I was getting tired at this point. They went through a commercial break. Um, God bless Apollo Crews because this crowd didn't react to anything and this guy was just working his ass off. Oh, I standing, thought, I, sh- shooting stars, standing uh, moonsaults. I mean, this guy was going out here to have the best match possible, and the audience just did not care. I thought he and Cesaro uh, looked fantastic in the ring together. I think they showed glimpses of what, what could be 
uh, a great feud in an alternate timeline in uh perhaps on the indies or in japan i really wish apollo was in a better place um you know in terms of uh i guess status uh on the roster because the man has been in the company for years now and still hasn't uh found any personality nor storyline that i think has been notable at all so i'm i'm now kind of looking towards the draft where hopefully he becomes a new focus and a new project where he finally gets to showcase a bit of personality and therefore making his in-ring, you know, that much more, mm, I guess, interesting and impactful. You know what would have been the best cell phone promo of the night way is Titus outside and he's showing the Rocky statue. And then he says, everyone always backs the underdog Rocky. Well, tonight we're going to be the underdogs and I've got Apollo with me. Ah, that's good. That's pretty good. I like it. Apollo ran into the post shoulder first, and then they did the assisted white noise, and Cruz was pinned by Sheamus. Crowd was dead, but I thought Apollo worked hard in this. Yeah, that. it's it really is honestly perplexing why they decided to do that spot with Sheamus last night. Um, like, Could it have just been anyone? Exactly. Like, like just someone that is not going to be our tag champion at the end of the night. Yeah, like, why would you do that to somebody that you were going to put a belt on later on that evening? Uh, and so, you know, the fact that this match received no rea- reaction, I I mean, this team, the bar, they're great, but they're just kind of being treated like shit, and uh, they don't feel that special as tag team champions. It's quite something for Sheamus to go from a former Royal Rumble winner to the comedy elimination of the same match. All those years later. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I mean, that's you look at, at Mavens where he got that big elimination and then he was the goof the next year. But I mean, this is much, much wider discrepancy. You can argue, though, that his in-ring is better now than it was back then. Um, Possible. Yeah, I think he's in the right position now. I think this was a guy that was over pushed and now is better suited to just be in this team. They plug the season finale of Total Divas coming up later this Wednesday. Uh, do you want to plug uh, the real focus of Total Divas this week? Oh, this is a huge edition of Total Divas, not just because it is part two of a two-part season finale, but it is also the subject of this week's Patreon-exclusive podcast with John Pollock and myself. We are reviewing the two season finales of Total Divas, part one that which aired last week and part two which airs this week. That's... Me and John Pollock, me forcing John Pollock to sit through two hours of Total Divas, only for patrons, so check it out at postwrestlingcafe.com. I have not watched an episode of Total Divas in years. Oh, you're I do have to a get, treat. I have to give them credit. They really are able to really scam the season finale and just announce the final two episodes as part one and part two of mm. the season finale. Maybe like the whole last half of the season should be a six-part season finale. Yeah. This is part one of uh, 50, uh, 40 uh, parts of our season finale for R- Rewind to Raw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're gearing up for just a, a really intense uh, final couple of uh, seasons. Mm-hmm. So then we had the video package for Ronda Rousey and her big appearance at the Royal Rumble. And then coming out of it, Jonathan Coachman had to talk about what a massive star 
Ronda Rousey was. He saw it firsthand on SportsCenter for her fights and that this is not just a game changer for the WWE. It's a game changer for everyone. This same Jonathan Coachman, who right after uh, uh, the Amanda Nunez loss, stated about Ronda Rousey's chances of going to the WWE. (laughs) Sorry, no chance. You can't bring her in at any point. Perception matters. That performance mattered. He was called to task on this about Ronda. And he responded, Michael, listen to me. It will, in capital letters, never happen. They, the WWE, are not in the business of bringing in a broken star and rebuilding her. But here she is, a game changer today, Way. Amazing what a, a new employer will affect your opinions. Hmm. Yeah, I'd love to see him address that. Well, Coachman, he is back in the WWE fold. Mm-hmm. They recapped Strowman's attack on Kane. Oh, this was my highlight of the show. So he was taken to the emergency room, Cole says, and then, quote, this was from Michael Cole's uh, embedded sources in the hospital. Kane sat up in the ER and crawled his way out of the hospital and then dragged himself to his feet. He has left the medical facility and not been seen since. What an awesome update. Yeah, that's great. I was just visualizing this in my head. I was like, why couldn't the cell phone be recording this? I want to see this promo. That was That's great. I also would have accepted if Cole told us that Kane just somehow evaporated from his <laughs> emergency medical bed. Oh, he's he was in he was uh he left in billions of molecules and mm-hmm. is floating amongst us in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the nurse was taking his temperature, looked away, and then all of a sudden it was just smoke. Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, for whatever reason, got their own entrance, followed by Finn Balor. And then I don't even think, even think Anderson and Gallows stuck around for the match, for the main event. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's it's still a little weird, this whole Balor Club thing. Like, they're not fully... Saying that, I mean, they did kind of key the three of them as um, as a faction, as the Balor Club, but they're choosing to still keep them a little separate. And I, I have to be a little disappointed because, like, Gallows and Anderson, you know, they, they certainly benefit from being attached to Balor, but we still don't really know anything more about their personalities in the three weeks since they've been together. Um, we know that they hung out in Japan. We know, like, you know, they they had some crazy times in Japan. Uh, but Gallows and Anderson themselves, I can't say, are, are really that much more over as a result of the association yet at this point. But the focus is on Balor. I get it. They plugged that the general manager of 205 Live will be announced on Tuesday. And this is where we got tweets from the various cruiserweights of who they want to see as the GM with the uh, opinions of Eric Bischoff, Vicky Guerrero. Mauro Ronaldo, Dean Malenko, Chris Jericho, and Rey Mysterio. And this was then uh, when they made a joke about Corey going live. And Corey just said, probably. Almost as though, yeah, I get thrown on everything around here. <laughs> and made a joke about Michael Cole already rescheduling him. Because is, uh, is Nigel 
Nigel, Nigel well, Nigel was sick, so mm-hmm. I'm imagining it's not 100% if he's going to be on the show tomorrow night, and it looks like, like I, what I read between the lines here is just Corey is like the go-to guy that gets thrown on everything. Like, he he calls Raw, he calls SmackDown, he calls the Mixed Match Challenge, and sure, he'll call 205 Live as well. Why not? He'll do the NXT Awards. Yeah, like Christ. Yeah. This poor guy. Well, he's going to die. Lucky. I'm sure he's happy to have a job, but yeah. He, wow. he he he's he he, he uh, might suffer from overexposure. Finn Balor versus John Cena was our main event. What did you think of John Cena's like character throughout all of this? Like playing off the crowd, his frustration. I mean, well, last kind of, sorry, go go ahead. No, no, no. You you go ahead. Well, like he last night. I mean, the man was put in the position to be the heel of the match and uh i thought played it to a t like he's a heel in that he is not a full-blown heel he he's a heel in a john cena way like he knows that he just has to be himself and this audience will hate him for it so uh on you know in this match he was kind of that same thing like his whole demeanor in this match is just Hey guys, I'm sorry. I I don't want to beat him, but I'm only beating him because I want to go to WrestleMania. Uh, I'm still a good guy. Hey, don't hate me. I'm just trying to, you know, do what anybody else would do. That type of thing. But um, he's never done this before. It just seemed like such a weird departure from this is the guy who is always proclaiming that the audience can chant and cheer however they'd like, and he just. I don't know. He just felt so like, like a little child that was like upset that he was letting down the people. I don't know. It was just a strange fit for like, I thought where this was going was he's going to lose this match and he's going to feel shut out of WrestleMania. And it's going to be the story going into this is that John Cena, the, the franchise player doesn't have a spot anymore at WrestleMania. And he starts to question himself. And then the Undertaker arrives, mm. and he yeah. says, "You have a spot at WrestleMania, but I'm going to take it." There's just something, and it, it somehow leads to that. But I was proven wrong by the end of this match, so I didn't. I didn't really know necessarily where this was going. My guess is they just they want Cena in the chamber. Um, but yeah, I, like, I, I don't. I don't think Finn was the guy to beat coming off of Sunday, though. Oh my god, completely. Like I would have been fine if this was Elias and you wrap up that stupid feud mm. that we had last week. Like no reason to have to continue those two that Cena could have just beat Elias tonight. Who mm. cares? Um, so anyway, Jonathan Coachman earlier in the night said that his pick to win the rumble was Elias. But during this match, he updated and said his pick to win the rumble last night was Finn Balor. Cena hit what has to be the shittiest looking punch of his entire career to set up the commercial. This punch, if you go back, it was to set up the first commercial. It looked closer to Santino's Cobra than it did a punch. Mm -hmm. Graves says that Cena is looking a bit more frustrated tonight because he might have underestimated the kind of fight that Balor was going to bring. Coach just said, nah, I don't see that look. Cena was all confused here by the audience's reaction. He's just looking at the WrestleMania sign to justify the, the people why I am hitting this man with punches to win a match. Uh, he goes for the five-knuckle shuffle but misses. 
Balor does the you can't see me gesture. And then Balor's running dropkick is cut off by a clothesline. Cena blocks a sling blade, lifts up Balor onto his shoulders, does a too sweet sign, hits the AA, but Balor kicks out. And the announcers are stating that Cena is playing to the crowd too much. And then Cena stands on the edge of the apron. He holds out his arms for the booze and says, I'm just trying to go to WrestleMania. Just leave me alone. And he climbs to the top. He's stopped with an insiguri. There's a running drop kick. Finn goes to the top, misses the coup de gras into the STF. There's a rope break. And then Cena stops him on the turnbuckle, hits a super AA as he looks at the WrestleMania sign. And then he pins Finn Balor. And then the line of the night from Coachman. Maybe I'm being too hard on this guy. Wait, is that is that the sense you're getting? No, no. This was a real line, okay? The slogan that I will guarantee you doesn't get onto the poster for Elimination Chamber. Quote, we said it was a dance for a chance for a chance at Brock. For John Cena, those chances are still alive. I did not stutter there. That was for a chance for a chance at Brock because that's what the Elimination Chamber is. A chance for a chance at Brock. A chance or a chant at Brock. Well, a dance for a chance for a chance at Brock. Wait a second. Did did he mean did he mean to say for a chance two times? Yes. It, it actually does make sense. It just oh. sounds off because because the elimination chamber is the chance mm-hmm. in order for the winner to have another chance against Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. It's two separate chances. Yeah, I know, but the dance The itself, dance was this match we just saw. Yeah. Oh, this was the dance, not the Elimination Chamber. Yes, he was saying in oh, the past tense, we, we said it was a dance. Oh, or a chance, got or it. a chance at Brock. But th- this had to be the worst promotional <laughs> tagline in the history of the idea. <laughs> a dance for a chance for a chance at Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I was completely done with, with Coachman after that line. Uh, uh, so, Cena wins. I don't know why you, like, as I was saying, I thought Balor was... So much coming off of, and this was different. I thought Sasha was fine in losing tonight. I see her going and this character is a positive for her with Finn. I think this ultimately stalled him and I I just didn't know why you you do all that work with Finn Balor tonight and tonight just felt like kind of the air out of the balloon uh, with Finn Balor. Same here. Uh, Of all the people on the roster, I, I feel like Finn was somebody you really had to protect coming off of last night because he finally had that positive momentum coming out of something. Uh, the fact that you had seen him beat him, of all people, um, maybe, I don't know, their way of rehabbing Cena for, for losing the Rumble, I suppose. I mean, it, it makes me wonder what they have planned for Finn uh, at El- Elimination Chamber because um, it, it probably... It, it sh- it has to be good if if you know it, it it's clear clear that they're uh, serious about Finn Balor and that they want to push him. Um, I just don't know why they would do this tonight. So it it even looked like Cena was like apologetic because he knew the result that was about about to occur, and maybe he himself didn't agree with it. So it seemed like he was apologizing to this crowd the entire night about what was about to happen. Well, the current members of the chamber are Braun Strowman, John Cena, and Elias. What a what a combination. And I imagine is it five men or three men? Or 
five or six in this six chamber. right four pods six. and then two yeah to you're start. right you're yeah. right yeah six so reigns rollins and then a third maybe jason jordan would that be your guess if, if jordan's healthy if he's healthy um i miss is the ic but you can always throw I him would, in there i would throw him in there uh i don't know yeah i guess you could um, kane from the hospital oh you're right it could be kane uh, it yeah. it probably will be way if Braun's in there. To me, this was a solid write off of Kane, but the fact that they said he crawled uh, away from the hospital, um, eh, maybe there's still hope. Yeah, I, I the idea of writing off a character in my mind has just been thrown out the window with this Braun and Kane feud for months. I mean, and even Reigns as well. I mean, these guys are just they're indestructible, so there is no writing off of these guys. Kane's just going to continue this right up until election day. W- what do you think they do with the uh, Finn? Uh, on this show, Miz. Oh, sure. Is that a good level for him? It might be just by process of elimination. I mean, who else are you going to pair with Miz at the moment? It's not all that exciting. Mm. And I don't see Miz dropping the title to him either. Mm. Yeah. I, I hope oh, they Miz, have some. Miz Taraj Balor Club, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Well, kind of weak. Elimination chamber folks, four weeks yeah. away. Yeah. All right, uh, what is next? Uh, are we going to feedback? What do you want to do next? Uh, what else is there besides feedback? Uh, well, we've got the pool. Oh, okay. Um, let's do feedback, and then we'll do the pool at the end. Okay. Of our voters tonight, they gave Raw a 6.68 out of a 10. Twice as much as last, as last week. Oh, right? th- this was certainly a better show than last week's, yes, but that's, that's not high praise. Mm-hmm. Um, we go first to Carl from the U.K., I have to applaud WWE for how they booked Asuka. I was very, very cynical when she was drafted. I think for any fan who enjoyed their tenure in NXT, uh, she feels satisfied about the way she's been handled on the main roster. She feels like the number one woman in the company. You can have her win the title at WrestleMania, and with the amount of women on the roster, I really think you can get her all the way to WrestleMania until that massive first defeat, whoever that would be. John, you used the phrase unfuckupable last week when talking about the Raw 25 show. Well, I'm going to borrow that same phrase this week regarding the Matt Hardy Woken character. They've had three hours every week and they've given me nothing compelling about this character. Give me some vignettes. Give me a 20 minute reality show on the network with all the Hardys at the compound. So far, WWE's version of this is dying and it's dying quick. Cannot disagree with Carl from the UK about that particular character and feud he is engaged in with Bray Wyatt. It just kind of feels like, um, you know, despite Matt Hardy, I think coming in with finally obtaining this character that that you know he's been fighting for for so long, they are still positioning Matt Hardy like they're positioning any of these veterans that come in at their age. Uh, you know, people like the Dudleys, people like uh, uh, even like like a Rhino, uh, and like people like Matt Hardy when he when he came in, and that's just as the veteran who's here to help get younger talent over. Um, and that's unfortunate because I I think even to do that, there's a lot more potential with this broken character that they could have um, made made to look stronger a little bit before having him lose so often. But he's just continuing to lose like he always has. We're, we got a Lara from Vancouver. Uh, this was that close to being an excellent Raw until it became clear Rousey was not around to follow up on the huge cliffhanger from last night. Things then completely went off the rails with the honestly bizarre main event. First, Gallows and Anderson make an entrance, but then are never seen or heard from again. <laughs> then the whole story seemed to be distracted 
seemed to be of a distracted John Cena who was going to finally let the crowd get to him and lose as a result. Instead, he just won. Story ends up being Balor can't even beat an extremely distracted Cena. All that time in the Rumble for ultimately nothing. Strange. It was a strange main event. I'm not going to uh, disagree. Jesse from the six, two title matches, a last man standing match, Banks versus Asuka and Balor versus Cena. I guess the WWE really wanted to capitalize on the interest in Razzie's appearance last night, that or they're in contract negotiations with USA. Some very good matches tonight, and I was consistently entertained, but some of these matches would have meant a lot more with some actual build to them. Funny, people always call Vince McMahon the greatest wrestling promoter ever, but he doesn't seem to know how to promote very well. Giving up first ever matches away on free TV with no advertising before seems daft, but what do I know? I'm not a billionaire. Both Rumble winners last night were not only people of color, but foreigners whose English is heavily accented. This would have been unthinkable even five years ago. Do you think this is the result of a of a shift in the WWE and Vince's views of who can be a top star or more the result of Japan producing unequaled numbers of high-level performers? Mm, I think it's timing. Uh, the fact that Asuka and Nakamura uh, both kind of came in. It's also, you know, I think you can cite NXT and perhaps Triple H being the influence of uh, somebody who's willing to look outside of, I guess, what their traditional boundaries are for uh, hiring talent. The fact that they both the, both these people got so were, were so over at NXT um, just kind of boded well for them on the main roster. And timing wise, they both just feel like the best choices right now, given uh, all the circumstances. So th- I also kind of applaud the fact that they didn't really make a big deal out of saying, oh, it's two Japanese people who won the Rumble. They're just two people who won the Rumble. And, right. and um, you know, I guess it could have, you can, you can make those parallels yourself, but they're not making a big deal out of that. Do you realize it was four years ago, the night after the Royal Rumble in 2014, that was the night CM Punk walked out? It's been a an entire mm. presidential term since CM Punk was last at a WWE event. Oh wow. Lewis from Long Beach. Sorry, it's my turn, my turn. Oh, yes. I should go to Lewis. Uh for the Raw after for the Raw after the Royal Rumble, I have to say this was pretty underwhelming. Opening the show with ten minutes of Stephanie is just as painful as always. But on a positive note, the heel turn for Sasha is well overdue as she's so much better suited to work heel as demonstrated by the fantastic match she had with Asuka, which was absolutely the only main event quality match of this show. Elias versus Hardy was essentially a nothing match that exhibited that the Woken character is pretty much just as dead as Bray Wyatt. The biggest issue with this show, however, was the main event where a clearly distracted John Cena was still able to defeat Finn Balor. Why give him so much time in the Rumble just to beat him the next night? It reminded me of his incredible loss to Kane right after his great match with AJ at Survivor Series. Oh, yeah. Uh, Next one here. Pretty solid episode of Raw tonight. The good. Coach is already much better than Booker. Lots of wrestling on the show. Made it move fast. Bray Wyatt's best promo in years. The bad. Sasha's attempt at a literal suicide dive and less than one day after Pollock discussed how Finn Balor, lasting so long in the Rumble, could start to build him up, he loses clean to a seemingly distracted John Cena. We got an evil who says, I feel like this Raw failed to take advantage of some of the bright spots from the best pay-per-view in the last year. Stephanie is trash. Bray and Matt feud is dead. Titus Worldwide care level zero. But as a Sasha and Bailey fan raging every day about how they're booked, I love this match with Asuka and all of Sasha's promos. Even though she almost went to the Shadow Realm, she powered through it like a champ. I hope she turns super evil. Everything is evil. 
Dan from Liverpool, rare live raw watch for me tonight, and I thought it was a relatively easy viewing. Really enjoyed Asuka and Sasha. On Cena, I assume the letting the crowd get to him and constant WrestleMania sign-pointing shtick is going to lead him to challenging The Undertaker, perhaps with his career on the line when he loses at Elimination Chamber. It's a shame about Finn. He looks way more comfortable speaking now that he has Gallows and Anderson behind him, and he's had a great showing these past two nights, but I just don't see a featured spot for him at WrestleMania, maybe challenging The Miz. But I'd be afraid of that match getting the last-minute pre-show rearrangement a la Ambrose and Corbin last year. Is there a chance that Ronda main events WrestleMania? Well, whether it goes on last or not, I think she will be in the most promoted match on that entire show. So by default, I feel it is the main event. But but that's a good question. Who do you think closes that show if Ronda does end up having a match? Uh, Let's say it is that tag match with The Rock and Stephanie and Triple H. In terms of star power, you're not really beating that. But in terms of match quality, I mean, we I think we can maybe expect that not to be the best in-ring quality match on that show, especially if Nakamura Styles is going to be on it. But who would you position last, knowing, you know, the Mania card as it exists right now? If it's, um, okay, let's just throw out... uh, Cena Taker. Cena Taker, Nakamura Styles, Lesnar Reigns, Uh and then this tag match. Let's just uh, assume that the tag match as it's entailed is, it happens Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And I think The Rock is a huge if, but Mm -hmm. anyway... I think if you have those four available options, I mean, I think there would be a a hell of an argument to ending the show with the tag match because that's going to be, um, especially if the rocks in the match, I think like God help the people that have to follow that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it would come down to that or Reigns and Lesnar that closed the show. Reigns and Lesnar. Oh man. Hey, that match they had in, uh, WrestleMania 31, like that was a great match. And they were following a really long show. Uh, I suppose I'm just more so thinking about, I think, mm, the, the I guess the spectacle of, of it all. I mean, I think Cena and Taker will probably uh, be one of the matches with the most interest. Um, but uh, match quality, maybe not, not so great. Um, yeah, I guess you can't really do Taker two times in a row main eventing as sort of a retirement match, right? No one's going to buy retirement this time. I don't think you can do that. Yeah. I just think so many people are going to just, they'll accept an Undertaker match at WrestleMania, but it was just, I, I think last year really impacts that, mm-hmm. of, of how creative you can be with an Undertaker match now. We got a Chris from Melbourne, Australia. Very good show tonight. Miles better than last week. Without saying too much, I enjoyed both Rumbles, even if the women's was filled with retired or very green women. Here's hoping that next year's won't be so Legends heavy. Uh, New Japan question. Does John know if the New Japan Australia shows will air live on New Japan World or be filmed for a later release? Uh, I don't know the answer to that question. I would assume that they will put them up on New Japan World, um, but I don't know that for a fact. I can try and find out, though. Um, Yeah, those are happening in February. Uh, we should mention as well, um, New Japan sold out uh, the venue that they're running in Long Beach, California on March 25th. They booked uh, the Walter Pyramid, which is much bigger than the Long Beach Convention Center they ran back in July for those two dates. They sold um, – uh, New Japan told me they sold just over 4,700 tickets in under 20 minutes this morning. That's amazing. That's insane. Wow. In 20 minutes. Yeah. Um. It bodes really well for the that all-in show. Oh, I 
like consider the fact that this is the second time going to Long Beach. So you don't have the the novelty of the first time going there. There's no matches announced. Mm -hmm. And it's two weeks before WrestleMania where you would assume a lot of your potential ticket buyers are traveling to. But they had zero problems selling out this place. And it makes you wonder like what. Like it was a it was a clear conclusion. The last one that they booked too small of a building and evidently they did here as well, which mm -hmm. is I, I would not have predicted this quick a sellout um, that they had today. So it, mm -hmm. it surprised me. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you wonder what. Yeah, exactly what they are capable of. And the next time that they show up, how big of a venue they can fill. Uh, I mean, like today they they sold more tickets today. By a large margin than Ring of Honor has ever done in their history. Wow, that's amazing. So, um, anyway, that was that was a really interesting story from today. Last one is Rich from Miami. Sasha's going to end up paralyzed or in a wheelchair by forty unless she adjusts her style. That being said, it was the match of the night uh, with Matt Hardy. Didn't expect uh, that when he was given complete use of the broken character. Odd seeing Gallows and Anderson get an entrance without an explanation as to where they went. The main event was just off. The Philly crowd checked out of this dream match on paper very early. I see a heel turn by Balor coming soon. Six out of ten awkward commentary moments. And that was everyone's feedback to, um, well, uh, a Raw that, I don't know. It just seemed like this was kind of like a, a come down from the weekend, which maybe you naturally had. And I think if your your hands were kind of tied, if you had no access to Ronda Rousey on Monday night, I think that there was going to be a bit of a letdown for people that had so much curiosity about tonight's raw that were tuning in, um, to realize that there would be no follow up with Ronda Rousey and probably not for a couple of weeks if she's filming until the middle of February. Hmm. All right. Way you have the, the envelope and it is time now to look at the results of the first ever post wrestling Royal rumble pool, which was, uh, open to the entire general public and we had 1184 entrants way bigger than any royal rumble oh my god yes yes thank you all for entering uh there were a lot of you and chris angler are the man who essentially runs this whole thing he was kind enough to compile all these stats uh i mean he is the real statistician. Dana Brooke. Yes. That's what we call it. So he actually has listed here. First of all, uh, the categories were choose a men's rumble winner, choose a women's rumble winner, and then men's number two entered. Okay, I'll just go through all of them. Men's rumble winner, of course, Shinsuke Nakamura. 58.8% of you who entered guessed that correctly. The women's Rumble winner was Asuka, of course, and 64% of you guessed that correctly. The men's number two entrant was Finn Balor, 14.2% of you percent guessed that. The women's number two entrant was Becky Lynch, 14% of you guessed that as well. The 29th entrant for the men's Rumble was Gold Dust, only 0.3% of you guessed that. The three people, which is amazing. Three people actually guessed it. Uh, women's uh, 29th entrant was Bailey, and 2.6% of you guessed it. The longest lasting man in the Rumble was Finn Balor this year. 34.6% of, of you guessed that. The shortest lasting is Sheamus, and 2% of you guessed that. 
Point two. Sorry, point two. Two of you guessed that. The first eliminated man this year was Rhino. 1.1% of you guessed that somehow. Uh, the last man eliminated was Roman Reigns. And this actually surprises me. 45.8% of you assumed that it would be Roman Reigns last eliminated. Uh, also, with our surprise entrance, we had official surprises that we consider surprises for the men were Adam Cole, Cien Almas, Hurricane Holmes, Rey Mysterio, and for the women, Beth Phoenix, Ember Moon, Jacqueline, Kyrie Sane, Kelly Kelly, Lita, Michelle McCool, Molly Holly, Tori Wilson, Trish Stratus, and Vicky. We did not consider the Bellas as surprise entrance. Um, before we get to the winners, this is uh, our favorite part. Oh, the best. The funniest misspellings and autocorrects. Starting at the top, we have our winner of the <laughs> Royal Rumble, men's Royal Rumble, Shinkake Nakamara. <laughs> Nakamara. <laughs> Winning the women's Rumble, Askia. Randy Horton. That one was great. Boo Dallas. Um, <laughs> Grinder Mahal. <laughs> the, this next one's good, too. Asuka Smith. How? How? How does that know. happen? I have no idea. Uh, Rhonda Rosie. Rhonda with an H, which every so many people misspell. And today it was just ridiculous. But misspelling both names is unique. Heath Skater. Better name than the real one. Um, <laughs> Tandy Orton. Tandy. Tandy. <laughs> Fun Balor. <laughs> Maybe that's the character change. <laughs> Natty Knight Hart. Uh, you have to see the spelling of this one. N-E-I- it's more ridiculous than N-E- it sounds. N-E-I-G-H-T Hart. And finally, <laughs> making a tremendous comeback at number 30, Trash Stratus. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, like the roller derby version. Yeah, thank you all. And now to announce our winners. Of the first ever post wrestling Royal Rumble pool. Coming in at third place with 75 points, Bernie. What a weekend it was for Bernie. <laughs> Coming in at 79 points, at number two, Fraser Burtnick. And Congratulations. the winner at a whopping. 84 points. Adam Neely. Congratulations. Adam Neely is the winner of the zeroth anniversary of the post-wrestling Royal Rumble pool. He will go down in infamy as the winner of this prestigious Royal Rumble pool. So out of 1,184 people, Adam Neely stands tall as the winner. It's really impressive. 84 points out of an available 134. That's pretty damn good. And what does he win? He wins a phone call from Wei Ting, who is going to call him to congratulate him. (laughs) Is that the best we could do? (laughs) Oh, where is... Oh. (laughs) What? (laughs) Do you want to... Um... It depends yeah. where he's from. <laughs> yeah. Okay, to to be determined. <laughs> okay, to be determined. I, I, I don't want to say anything now because it was. We have a potential prize, but it is, uh, it is geographically uh, restricted. So, the way this we didn't want to announce this ahead of time. So, 
if this person is from a certain region, they will get a prize. And I know it sounds shitty, but if they're not, then they won't have a prize. We'll give them something <laughs> of equal value. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have a backup prize. Yeah, and, and as well, um, we will send Adam Neely a, uh, what, uh, a post-production care package from the post office. That will be available to uh, all of our Ice Cap patrons over at uh, postwrestlingcafe.com. And uh, who knows? We have a lot of shit to make, and we have a lot of shit to send out, and maybe we'll throw some other bonuses in there as well. So, Ooh. Um, congratulations, and thank you all for entering. All right. And before we wrap up, let's uh, quickly chat about the shows we have coming up this week at Post Wrestling. Uh, we've got Tuesday night. It will be Rewind a Smackdown. And I think we're going to do a bonus review. Is it cool to do it on Tuesday night way? The one we discussed. Like as part of Rewind of Smackdown? Yes. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Uh, so in addition to Smackdown, we are also going to chat about the WWE 24 special that aired Sunday night covering WrestleMania from this past year. Uh, that aired on Sunday night. They actually aired it uh, right after Raw as well. So if you have a chance to watch that, we're going to review that along with Smackdown Tuesday night. On Thursday... It is Keep It 2000's launch on Post Wrestling. They are going to be reviewing the June 5th episode of Monday Nitro from the year 2000. It's the return of Brian Mann, Nate Milton, and they will be joined on this particular edition with Damian Abraham, our good pal. So quite the show to check out this Thursday Look for that. Post Wrestling. Look for that Wednesday uh, evening slash Thursday. It'll be ready for your Thursday morning commute. Perfect. Uh, and you can subscribe to Keep It 2000 itself. So just go search for it, and it's uh, it's there on iTunes and all other places. Subscribe and leave a rating for them. It really helps uh, these shows get off the ground, and that's, of course, Keep It 2000. The week after that, uh, they'll, they'll uh, exchange Thursdays with uh, British Audio Wrestling. So please subscribe to both of those shows and give them some five-star reviews. Then on Friday, for our members of the Post Wrestling Cafe up on Patreon, we are going to have our bonus review where Way and I will review the final two episodes of this current season of Total Divas, both parts of the season finale, as I will try and understand what is going on on this show, and I am joined by the expert himself, waiting to help me navigate this two-hour piece of television history that the e-network is bringing us yeah i'm very excited and then way uh we have our monthly show ask away which do we know when that is coming out uh there's no sunday show is there this week nope sunday sunday then yes okay so ask away uh will be free to everybody uh that will be oh wait yes yes it will be it will be yeah at least for this month yes we might we might switch it with the round table that's right. We have, to, yeah. we have discussed this. Yeah. Um, if you can tell, me and Wade do not do uh, pre-show production meetings either. Oh, no. uh, so Sunday, we will have Ask Away coming out, where you can ask us uh, whatever you want, or we'll just talk about Asuka on the show. Either way, uh, that is coming out on Sunday at postwrestling.com. So yeah. uh, that is it. As for your questions for uh, Ask Away, we uh, we are taking questions from all the uh, cafe patrons. And actually, we'll probably use a lot of your questions that you have set up for the roundtable. So you can just kind of continue posting into the post roundtable thread, and we'll just kind of pick and choose. There's just a lot of questions that we didn't get to for the roundtable that we'll probably get to on uh, Ask Away. 
cool. And my final note is I just want to thank all of the listeners uh, just going through some of the uh, the numbers from last week uh, in our short history. Uh, this past week has been our biggest to date. So thank you to everyone uh, for your support, listening to all of the shows. And that will end Rewind Raw. And we will speak with you Tuesday night following SmackDown and 205 Live.